Welcome to the Nightbird Radio Podcast. I'm Timothy Saylor, and I'm going to be your host this evening as we sound out the subconscious, navigate the nocturnal, and explore the farthest reaches of our experience. Coming at you from the back of an 86 Dodge Ram van on the rolling foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in the Great Forest, deep in the heart of the Kali Yuga. This is Radio for the Hauntological Turn. This episode of the Nightbird Radio Podcast was brought to you by me. If you'd like to support the show and hear your name or a cryptic message in lieu of your name read at the top of the next episode, head to nightbirdpodcast.com and navigate to the Support the Show page. And remember to subscribe to this show wherever you listen to your podcasts and give me a five-star rating. That helps a lot. I'm also on Instagram at Nightbird Podcast, on YouTube at Nightbird Podcast, and on Telegram at t.me slash nightbirdradio. And welcome back, Nightbirds. It's great to have you back, and it's great to be back. This week, I was joined by Gary Noriyuki. Gary is a tattoo artist, a practitioner of Conjure, Kimbanda, and the Thai occult, and an all-around cool guy. Gary had some great stories for me. He told me about his first experience working with magic and the results he achieved. He shared with me the story of finding and approaching his first teacher, and he gave some great advice for those looking to do just that. He told stories about working with spirits and mistakes made along the way that led to lessons, and also about the importance of divination practices to navigating progression in spiritual practice. We talked about magical tattoos, goblins, prangang, the Thai occult, funeral food, land spirits, and so much more. But without further introduction, let's get to the conversation. Gary Noriyuki, welcome to the Nightbird Radio Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. We were just having a little technical difficulties, but we're here good and going now. Um, I was wondering if you wanted to tell the audience just a little bit about yourself so they have some context for the rest of our conversation. Um, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm an artist for the most part, or at least I like to think that I'm an artist. <laughs> Um, I'm a, I'm a tattooist. I've been a tattooist for almost 15 years. Um, I've also been, uh, practicing other, uh, magical practices such as conjure. Um, I'm a practitioner of Kimbanda as well and a Ocha practitioner. And of course, under, uh, Ajarna Pichai, I'm studying Thai occult practices as well. What were you afraid of as a child? You know, coming from uh, kind of like the woods and somewhat city, I don't think that I had uh, much other than just like afraid of the dark. But when I was out and about, you know, like I think that I developed a fear towards uh, dogs because I got bitten by a dog with rabies. And um, I didn't realize that my fears were kind of like, uh about to get kind of like kicked off from that you know um i had a natural fear for needles as well which is funny because i'm a tattooist <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm we're gonna um, come back to that but continue <laughs> so uh long story made short um the dog had rabies and i tried to hide it for like three days well actually i tried to hide it for the longest and it only lasted three days until my mom found out and then i had to be taken to get treatment <laughs> 
So I had to face my fears for two weeks straight, you know, getting poked by needles every day. Sucked. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awful. Interesting. Okay, so I want to dive into that a little bit because this is the reason I asked this question. Um, is that I often find that what we're afraid of as kids or what we're afraid of in general, like as our life continues on, we sort of begin to have this relationship to that that can often be paradoxical, right? Like, for instance, for me, I was really scared of aliens. Um, and I was really scared of being taken in the night. You know what I mean? Like, just that whole idea was just really, really paralyzing for me. Yeah. Um, and yet, I couldn't stop reading about them, watching shows about them, etc. And so you were afraid of needles, and yet you find yourself being a needle man, like you work with needles, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> so is that, do you think, what do you think is, to me, it seems like that is almost sort of like a remediation or like, yeah. but what do you think? What is your take on that? Well, as I've come to understand, you know, like the differences between the needles that are used in tattooing versus the needles that are providing a shot or drawing blood, you know, like, there's a different depth of uh, penetration that goes into it, you know, like um, for tattooing, uh, when I started, well, actually, when I went to get my first tattoo, it didn't really like cross my mind to think there's a needle involved, you know, like I was, I was more thrilled about the experience, you know, like, and the fact that I was doing something that for the most part, I never really cared for, you know, because I had no desire to get a tattoo. I had no desire to become a tattooist. It was never a dream, you know, like it was, I was an artist again, you know, like for the most part, and it just kind of like landed on my lap. But because I was grown in a country that is, uh, had just came out of like a civil war and a lot of the gangs kind of like got, you know, powered over the country and stuff like that. Most of the tattoo work that I had seen was not peeling, you know, at all. So um, going back to the needles, you know, like, when I got my first tattoo and I got inspired to want to learn, it just like made me realize during the learning process that it wasn't as deep, you know, like the the penetration. And depending on your skill level, you know, like if you know how to maneuver those, uh, the turns of the skin or the body and stuff like that, you know, like you can accommodate. And if you know what you're doing, you're not necessarily tra traumatizing the skin as much versus a needle that is thick and is going to deliver, you know, like uh, a liquid of sorts, you know, into your body, right, right. which can cause pain. So I think that uh, a study, as anything goes, you know, like a studying and trying to understand something is what uh, helps remediate and, you know, like help you understand that it's not as bad as you think. Um, and kind of like gives you the knowledge that you can, you can overcome certain things, you know. Uh, I think it, it took about nine years for me to tattoo myself, you know, like for the most part, people begin by tattooing on themselves. And I didn't, I didn't start it that way. You know, I had plenty of people that wanted me to like practice on them during my apprenticeship. But yeah, I think that that's pretty much what helped. And, you that's, know, like I like said, it remediated that. It's interesting to think about the depth because I feel like it, and, you know, maybe I'm overanalyzing it, but this is just fun to do uh, for me, at least um, the depth 
where the tattoo it's a bit more like liminal it's a bit more on the outskirts whereas like a syringe is like you said like penetrating invading almost um like it just to me like i have the same sort of aversion to uh needles like uh Mm -hmm. even in my addiction like this actually probably saved my ass like i never did a drug with a needle Mm -hmm. um you know like luckily but um and as a kid i would like run out of the room when i had to get shots like i would they would have to have people hold me down yeah um so there's that but then there's the the tattoo which is like being at the edge of the forest you know like it's it's where the skin meets the air it's a little more um borderland area right yeah and it's like as as magical practitioners like that's that's interesting to us right like we kind of spend our time in those places so you know i wonder if that has to do with it you know (laughs) um so interesting okay so you didn't you know you didn't have the dream of being a tattoo artist so what made you get your first tattoo oh man um funny enough i i wanted to be a virologist and study viruses um but obviously life took me in a different route (laughs) yeah and um I think that uh, at first, you know, it was a uh, wonder, you know, because I had had a pretty crazy uprising, you know, especially when I got to America. Uh, my relationship with my stepdad was pretty, pretty rough, you know, uh, within a CI to I with many things. So which that led me to become grounded all the time. Um, when I got to high school, um, I actually went with a bad attitude. and. Um, the first day I actually made a friend, you know, like, and I, little did I know that he was going to become my sketchpad, my living sketchpad. <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> but uh, he had seen my sketchbook and he was like, yo, man, you know, like, you know how to draw. Like, that's fucking awesome. You know, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you can cuss as much as you like. Oh, cool. Awesome. This is a cussing <laughs> show. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, that's, that's awesome, man. You know, like, you should become a tattoo artist. And I was like, oh, hell no. You know, he's like, you don't like tattoos? And I was like, nah. So he suggested that I should watch uh, Miami Inc. because it was big then. And of course, because I was grounded, I had no clue what this was. And I didn't want to tell him that I was grounded all the time because it was embarrassing, you know? Yeah. So uh, the next chance I got to be around a TV so happens that it was my stepdad's father who was flipping through channels and we were just chit-chatting and mid-conversation. He stops at the TLC and Miami Inc. is playing. And Ami James had just finished a dragon tattoo and it looked like a painting. So like my head is not registering that what I'm seeing is on someone's body. And the guy gets up and I was like, whoa, that's on, that's on someone's back. You can do that on skin. And my desire was like, if you can do that on skin, I want to be able to do that. And that's oh, yeah. how it all began. You know, like it was the inspiration of like, I want to be able to do that. You know, like I know that I can do it on paper. I know I can do it on wood. But I don't know how to do it on on skin. And, you know, like, that's a different medium. You know, it's it's a living person, you know, like, and it's something that marks for life. So there's a lot of responsibilities in there. (laughs) Yeah, it's high stakes, right? Yeah. I think that um, I find myself uh, interested in things that are kind of, like, challenging. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, where there's a little bit more, like you said, like, at stake. Um, Mm -hmm. 
there's something about a tattoo, like a fresh tattoo as well. Like that. I mean, obviously it's, it is alive cause it's on someone's skin, but like, it looks like there's a, like that sheen that it has. It's like, mm-hmm. there's nothing really else quite like it. I feel like, you know, um, yeah, that's really cool. And so you, what country did you grow up in? You were talking about it. El Salvador, okay. Central America. Okay. So, um, have you always been, um, have you always lived a life with spirits or is that something that came across later? How did that begin? I'd like to hear a little bit about that. So that was interesting. You know, like I've mentioned that kind of like got raised in the mountains, you know, and that is partially true because my great grandfather lived in Cerro San Jacinto, which is in Soyapango. And uh, that is not too far from the main volcano. Um, that's where my grandfather and my mother grew up. You know, like there was no electricity back in their days, you know, like said, so they seen land be developed into a city. And uh, my grandfather had some some stories that are like very interesting, you know, like of when he was young, uh, spirits that he had encountered through his life, uh, like mythological creatures like La Ciguanava or what we call Ciguawet. Um, interactions with what seem like people, but then he will turn around and they're gone. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, you know, like playing as a young kid with his sisters uh, and then finding that they're like far away from where they are usually, you know, like familiar with. And in the Palo de Amato, they will, they would see like this woman that is like, yo, there's a fire in that direction. I think that's your house. And they don't even know, you know, who this woman was, you know, like, and it was a trickster spirit that was, that was just messing with them. Um, growing up, because I was living lower, you know, like on the foot of the mountain, um, I would go to school, you know, and, and pretty much got involved in the city and stuff like that. But when I would go to the mountains, you know, like just to trail or I mean to, to go on the trails and hiking and stuff like that with my uncle or my grandfather to the cafe plantations or the coffee plantations. Um, when I would hear their stories, you know, like it would stir my mind with uh, images and stuff like that, even though I wasn't there to witness things, you know, like it always made me like, kind of like try to open my mind's eye to see certain things. And at some point, this is so funny. At some point, I remember, you know, like I got spooked because in the back of our house, you know, like it was very dark and there was like nothing but banana trees. I saw a figure that kind of looked like Baphomet, but you know, like, because I was young and stuff, you know, I didn't really register that that's what it was, you know, and it spooked the living hell out of me. Uh, and that's when I kind of like became a little bit afraid of the dark, you know, as a young child. And uh, I don't really quite remember how i got over the darkness fear or you know like as far as like rooms or just like being out in the dark but you know like eventually i think i just grew out of it you know um i was kind of raised in different beliefs uh my mother was christian for a while but she also went into study krishna uh when i was born and um she said that after doing a couple of tests, they were like, ah, this, this, this kid is not really for uh, the Krishna stuff, but, you know, like, he's going to be of the world type of deal, which is fine. So I, I honestly like the world anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. But, you know, like, I grew up with the love for Christianity. Uh, 
And then at some point I rebelled against it. And um, my grandfather also was trying to like get me into the Catholic side and, you know, get the communion and stuff like that. But that actually never happened. And uh, as I grew up, you know, like into my somewhat teenage years, I started rebelling even more hardcore towards it. Um, and then for the longest, I just didn't didn't really do anything. I think I didn't come around, on, you know, on the spiritual practices until like I was just above my 19 years old, you know, here in America. Um, it was out of curiosity and things and stories of my country and stuff like that, that kind of like inspired me to look deeper, you know, because I was like, well, I kind of know uh, what everybody says, you know, like from the Christian side and what other people's, you know, like experiences have spoken, but I don't have any experiences of my own. So let me go find out. And that's pretty much what kind of like picked off, you know, like my, uh, my path into all practices. Nice. Yeah, that need for uh, personal experience is uh, an important topic, I think, for this show, too. Because mm-hmm. um, I talk to a lot of people that, you know, it's like Christianity is just like the religion of a lot of people as a child, because it's like what you get brought up in. And um, eventually there is like, a, well, okay, like you're trying to tell me that this is possible, but that's not possible. Like, I need exactly. to go figure this out, right? Like, there's something mm-hmm. more going on, right? Yeah. So um, let me ask you this question. Um, what was the first experience you had with magic? Where you were like, "Oh shit, this works," and may you know, you can broaden that out to be something. It doesn't have to like work in the way you thought. You know what I mean? Like, but what was yeah. that first experience where you were like, "Oh, there's something here." All right, so uh, this is way before I found Mama Star, who is the one who directly taught me conjure practice. You know, um, I was actually working as a security guard for this company called Katsumnati. And uh, I think I was working for them for like three years and stuff like that. And during this time, or the first year working in there, I just, since I had nothing else to do other than just like, just be there and guard the place, you know, make sure that no, nobody was doing anything. I started buying all these books, you know, like, and just reading and reading and reading and reading. Um, I try to like get my... Uh, to see what was it that that I needed to to pursue or what I felt comfortable with, and at first I thought it was Wicca. Quickly realized that that wasn't the case. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and I kind of like left it alone for a while. I want to say like three months, maybe. And about the year after, um, I started thinking. I was like, man, maybe I could like try to like move into the warehouses and to something else, you know, like instead of just being a security guard. And uh, it so happens that one of the main guys from Belgium had came over and they were doing a lot of changes and stuff like that. And he came and introduced himself, not in a good way. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> he had said that he heard that I wanted to move up. And I was like, yeah, you know, I want to move up on the ladder of uh, what's available. And long story made sure what he offered was not a step up. It was kind of like a step side to the side or below, if anything. And I, I was like, well, I kind of like want to be on the inside, you know, on the office and stuff like that. I don't want to be outside on the sun, you know, in the rail. Because that's pretty much what he offered. 
And he kind of laughed at me. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. If you want uh, a job in the office, that's just not going to happen, which infuriated me. So, you know, like, I didn't act disrespectful to him, but I was just like, let me just think about it. And he went away, and I went home that day. I was pissed. And um, I went to my bedroom, and I saw the stack of books, and I was just going to like, you know what? I'm just going to try whatever I feel I need to do. And so without even book opening those books, you know, like I just kind of like remember things that I had read. I made a list of what I wanted, the, the, the job that I needed, the job that I wanted. And with my anger, I just fueled it, mm-hmm. you know, and I burned it to ash. I put a couple of herbs to it, you know, and I rolled the candle and I lit it. And I was like, if you work, show me that you work now. This is what I need. This is what I what I desired. This is what I feel in my heart that I need to show this person that I want what I want and that he's not going to stop me. And I lit the candle. And then the next day, it was just like a normal, regular day. You know, like I wasn't stressed or angry anymore. And by the end of the week, another supervisor shows up in my office uh, outside. And uh, he's like, hey, man, you know, I heard that you want to move up. Uh, and I've seen that you've been in here for a while. So uh, I was interested on on getting somebody into inventory control, you know, into my office. And uh, have you like just go count product and stuff like that? You know, you have a nice office in my, in my area and stuff like that. And uh, I think that we would like to give you the opportunity, you know, instead of like trying to hire someone from the outside. Which I couldn't believe, you know, like it's everything that I had asked for, you know, just a few days before. And I was just like looking at him like with, kind of like deer headlights and i was just like oh this is actually happening i was just like so what about the payment you know because i had asked for a specific payment and he's just like well what is it that you want and i was just like i told him what i wanted so let me go talk to some people and uh just a few days later he's like all right man you're gonna be working under me and i was just like holy crap this works (laughs) and that's pretty much what uh made me want to study even further, I was like, if I can do this, you know, like with guidance, without guidance, um, to acquire what I want, you know, like I can only imagine what I can do under somebody that teaches, and you know, like that's pretty much what pushed me to seek for uh, a teacher. Okay, that's really cool. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so that was just something that you knew, like instinctively, how to do, or did you hear? You know what I, I mean? Like, how did you know like how to came do that? From within. Yeah. yeah, like I had read, um, had read certain books. You know, like it was basic stuff, like from uh, Dorothy Morrison, actually. <laughs> and um, I think that it was the craft that I was reading around the time. You know, and again, because I figured out that it was Wicca, and it wasn't really something that resonated with me. I was just like, well, take the Wicca out of it. You know, like, and. I just followed my heart, basically, in that situation. You know, like, I followed whatever I felt that I needed to do. Nobody told me to channel anger to that. <laughs> but I quickly realized that anger was was definitely the fuel that I needed for that. So did anger continue to work as a fuel for you? Or was it just kind of in that situation? How did that kind of progress? It was in that situation. Um, I think that uh, there were a couple of other cases that I, I had, you know, like, had to tap on the anger side. Because I'm a hothead. <laughs> I can't be a hothead. Uh, I'm a Leo all around. Hell yeah. But um, but no, you know, like uh, for the most part, I try to keep a cool mind. You know, like over the years, I have learned that you know, like keeping a cool mind works a lot better. 
uh, channeling stuff, you know, like uh, feelings and thoughts, you know, like helping more. In some cases, yeah, I think that the primal side of anger could help. I'm not saying that it's all the time, you know, but in that situation, you know, and in that scenario, it did. Yeah. The reason I'm interested in, and, you know, you have like, just like you're talking about hot and cool, like that, those are actually like ways that they used to describe certain mm-hmm. practices, right? Or, or spirits even. Yeah. And um, it's interesting because my experience is a little bit similar. I was reading a bunch, but I was really like an armchair guy. And then like eventually something happened that I needed. And um, I just went with, I didn't know what I was doing really, but like I was able to intuit what to do. Nightbirds. I hope you've been enjoying the conversation so far and there's more to come. But first I have to ask that you support the show. As I'm sure you've noticed, there are no commercials on this show. There are no paywalls. You get everything up front. For there to be free dialogue, I think it must remain uncaged by the interests of advertisers. But Nightbird Radio does cost time and money to make, and your support means I can spend less time delivering pizza and more time doing this. That's a win-win. So that's why Nightbird Radio is a value-for-value podcast. I hope you've found value in this show. But I can't and won't dictate how much. Only you can decide that. But what I can do is invite you to take that value, turn it into a number, and head to nightbirdpodcast.com, navigate to the Support the Show page, and donate. We're also listed on podcastindex.org, which means you're able to send Bitcoin via the Lightning Network using your favorite podcasting 2.0 apps, which can be found at newpodcastapps.com. I also accept services and dry goods in trade. There are many forms in which value is stored, after all. Email me at tim at nightbirdpodcast.com for more information. Sponsors will get a special mention at the top of the show. Thank you for your generous support. Want to hang out with other nightbirds and soapheads? For only $5 a month, you can gain access to the Polytechnic of the Numenauts a private Discord server for artists, animists, and searchers that brings together the Nightbird Radio and Soapbox podcast communities. Just click the link I've provided in the show notes to get started. Now let's get back to the conversation. What was the experience of searching for a teacher like? How did how did that come about, and how did you find your teacher? That's another story. <laughs> well, we, that's why we're here. Stories, like crazy. <laughs> Dude, I just want to hear stories, man. That's what we're doing. Like, Awesome. Yeah. So this is in Pasadena, Texas. And I was already a tattoo artist. I think I was like three years into tattooing now. And, you know, like in Texas, it's a little bit uh, difficult to just be a tattooist. Um, so I think I was like, if I remember correctly, I was working um, just like a regular type of job, you know, during the mornings. I was actually working at a McDonald's during the time uh, as a maintenance guy. And around two o'clock, I would go to the tattoo shop, you know, and work at the tattoo shop and stuff like that. So um, I want to say when I was uh, trying to experiment with things, I got into it with the boss, uh, not really like in a bad situation. And you know, like, it's just, she made a choice to want to let me go. 
uh, because I started dating somebody in the shop and apparently she was trying to treat the shop like it was corporate, which is not something that usually happens. And that's the only the only reason why she was using, doing that is because she comes from a corporate background, too, as well. So she lets me go. And um, I noticed that my tattoo business starts coming down a little bit, you know, like slows down. And I had heard about Mama Star, you know, and, and Hoodoo which is, you know, like my first introduction to it. I was friends with uh, this occult uh, shop, the owner of an occult shop called The Witchery in Galveston. And while I was visiting one time, he was like, hey, man, have you ever heard of Mama Star? And I was like, no. He's like, you should, should check out the books. I think that that would be more in line with you, you know, than, than ceremonial magic, because he was a ceremonial practitioner. And I was like, all right, I'll check it out. And I got curious. And uh, I went and checked out her website. I had no clue what she looked like at all, you know, like because there was no pictures on her website and stuff like that. <clears throat> and uh, I was curious about wanting to get a reading. And so I saw that she offered small readings and stuff like that, and I booked it. So when I got on the phone with her, uh, that was like my main concern. I was like, why is it that my business is slowing down some, you know? And she told me right off the bat, you know, like, Son, someone's talking shit about you. And they're saying that basically you you are no longer a tattooist, you know, and this is by just throwing cards. And so, like, um, this is what you're going to do. You're going to cleanse yourself with this. And I know it's silly, but, you know, you're going to do this. And uh, then you're also going to start a money pot. That was my introduction to making a coffee money pot. And um, you're going to feed it with money every day and watch. Somebody is going to confirm this reading with some information and yeah i kind of felt silly because this was completely different than uh than what i had read on wicca and stuff like that and i did it you know like i baited myself with some coffee um and herbs and um and made this this thing can you know with uh with little people that i had drawn and stuff like that and prayers and i was feeding it every day and business start coming back, you know, and then I don't know where the girl that I had tattooed in that tattoo shop, you know, like that I haven't seen in a while, finds me on MySpace because this was the MySpace days. <laughs> oh, yeah. And um, she books an appointment with me. And so she comes over and, and gets tattooed. And I was just like, hey, man, you know, like what took you so long to, to find find information about me? And she's like, well, I went to the tattoo shop that you used to work at. And the lady told me that you had retired, that you're no longer tattooed. And I was like, holy shit, there's the confirmation. And so after she left, I wouldn't message Mama Star. I was like, Mama Star, you know, like this person just confirmed, you know, like what you said, like this is true. And she's like, well, I knew that that was going to be true. You know, like I was the one who gave you the information. And I was like, I want to learn from you, you know, like and stuff like that. And she's like, well, I got to get to know you. And so since I had no clue which way to go about it, I kind of like figured out my way of introducing myself. And so like, I want to say once a month, I will write a paragraph about me and just send it to her without expecting any answer back and like just random things about me. And about a year later, you know, like I told her, I was like, I know that I've been trying to introduce myself. I've been sending you information about me and it's been about a year since I asked. So I would like to know where we stand, you know, like, would you, would you would like to meet, you know, in person to see if you could take me as a student. 
And this must have been like a Friday because uh, or Thursday, because like shortly after she replied to me, it's like, what are you doing this Saturday? And I was like, holy crap. I was like, I'm, I'm not doing anything. And then she's like, well, I'm going to give you some directions, not my address, but some directions of where to go. And once you get to this spot, call me. And I was like, this is sounding like an adventure already. <laughs> yeah. I lived in Galveston by then. So I looked at the GPS on the directions that she gave me, and I saw that it was like 45 minutes away from where I live. So I made it a point to uh, make that day, you know, like cleared for anything that I had. And I went and had myself some breakfast and just went on on the road and followed that, those directions until I got to the spot that she told me to go. I had no signal, so I had to like go around waving my phone everywhere, you know, like trying to find a signal. And then finally, I got a, I got signal enough to call her and let her know that I was there. And then she told me where to go, and I finally got to her place and stuff like that. And I sat there with her pretty much the whole day, just talking and talking and talking and talking. And then finally, I want to say like it was sun was coming down, and she's like, "Son, I'm gonna take you under my wing." Uh, you have been sitting in my prayer house all day. You obviously belong here, you know. Like otherwise, you would have, you know, you would have been gone within the first hour, you know, of the day that you got here. So she gifted me the first deck of cards, and she showed me how to how to read cards that day and how to do a basic cleansing. And I was sent home with that to practice, and that's pretty much what got me introduced into conjure, what is known as kudu, dude. That's an amazing story. Thank you for saying that as well. Dude, you persisted with that for a year? Yeah. <laughs> that is so impressive, man. And it makes me think, it just inspires me. Because, you know, there's times when I'll reach out to someone to be on the show and I won't hear anything. And then mm -hmm. I kind of give up. But mm -hmm. um, I'm if I give up, I'm never going to hear anything, right? Like, <laughs> right. it's interesting, too, because I feel like there are certain spirits that are that way, too. Mm -hmm. like you i kind of like not always i mean it just depends on on who i'm kind of approaching but there are some like where i have to kind of keep knocking at the door yeah you know yeah that's very cool man so i had a question while you were talking too and i, I lost it <laughs> it's cool it'll come back i was i was too uh enwrapped in that story um so, okay, how about this? If anyone out there is looking for a teacher, I know there's like some some great advice in that story, but what mm -hmm. advice could you kind of give to people that are searching for something like that? Like people that were where you were at, you know, like, mm -hmm. and maybe they don't know where to go or what to look for or how to do it. Um, what could you say to that? Mm. Um, persistence. And consistency, I think that are great teachers uh, within themselves already. So if you feel within yourself, if we, we feel within your heart that you want to pursue something, you know, like take a good look at yourself, take a good look at yourself and see what inspires you to go that direction. See, where is it? Is it coming from? Is it coming from your head or is it coming from your heart? And based off of that, you know, like if that's what you believe in, push forward. You know, like we are here because we pushed at the very beginning of our existences. 
in order to become a human being, in order to be born, we had to race. We had to be persistent. We had to push through everybody else aside to become what we are now. So I think that that kind of like goes with it, you know, like be persistent, um, be respectful above all. <laughs> because I've seen like a scenarios that people, I think, you know, like they want to push through, but they also don't know which way to go uh, about it. And sometimes they come across rude. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine, um, right? Like there's a fine line of persistence, but also not being pushy. Uh, yeah. Um, so I think that's pretty much it, you know, like uh, paying attention to yourself and paying attention to what is it that, that, that you got going on, you know, like what is it that, that is inspiring you to push, push forward? What is it that attracts you? You know, uh, what is it that got you, you know, thinking or inspire you to think uh, this is what I want to like experience, you know, like what is it that you're trying to get out of it? You know, what is that you're trying to learn and what is it that you're trying to gain? For your own benefit as well, your own progress. Very nice. Yeah, that's definitely some stuff I'm going to take to heart too. Um, and so then, once you were able to kind of get in with one teacher, it sounds like you've kind of. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like now you have kind of an in to speak to more teachers because it, you know, I'm I'm assuming that wasn't your last instructor right you know you kind of work on that skill a little bit yeah Did it's you find funny that? because um i'm sorry <laughs> no you're good it's funny because you know like i mentioned dorothy morrison you know like that was my first uh introduction into occult practices and uh i think that uh also i had picked up a couple of books of scott cunningham along the way and uh as i got deeper in the practice with mama star um and I got deeper in my friendships, you know, like uh, with the owner of the witchery and stuff like that. Um, during this time, I believe I was also messaging Dorothy Morrison just every once in a while, asking questions, you know, and stuff like that. And she would answer back, you know, like she, she, it, would, it would take some time, but she would answer the email. And I completely appreciate it because, you know, it was it was good advice, too, as well. You know, and she was no longer practicing Wicca. You know, she does her own stuff. And... Um, Maybe a year into uh, learning with Mama Star, I had forgotten. You know, I was actually working at a at a chemical plant around this time. You know, and I was so all the time, you know, in the chemical plants that I was I had no time to tattoo, you know, like or do anything else. You know, like I did have my time for the practices and stuff like that. But the time that I had free, I would just kind of like spend it alone, you know, like or try to like relax. Yeah. And I didn't know them that Dorothy Morrison was gonna come to Galveston. Uh and she was actually staying with uh my friend, you know, the owner of the witchery. And I received a message from him saying, like, hey, what are you doing right now? I was like, having dinner, <laughs> just relaxing for the night. He's like, so I have uh, Dorothy Morrison over here asking asking for you by name. And I was just like Oh, well, what is she doing in your place? He's like, well, she's gonna be doing a lecture, you know, in classes this weekend. And I was like, I'll be there. I'll be there and I'll go see her, you know, stuff like that. So what impressed me is that she knew who I was and she knew she knew that I lived in Galveston. 
And uh, and she knew that I was also a, a student of Mama Star. I, I didn't really know that they were good friends. And so I went to meet her face to face, you know, like that, was, that was my first introduction in, in person with her. And it was so awesome to meet her because, you know, like it was my introduction to sorcery in a way. Um, and shortly after that, um, I actually came across what was known as Wolf and Goat. And um, that was pretty much kind of like my beginning to Kimbanda. Because that was one of the uh, one of the leads on that store, you know, is uh, Kimanda priest. And then shortly after, I started having dreams uh, that I had no clue what they were about. And for whatever reason, I felt comfortable uh, with the friendship that I had built with uh, my teacher, uh, now teacher, you know, in Kimanda. But then we were just friends, and I just started like speaking about my dreams to him. And I guess. The stories that I was relating with him, you know, he was like, have you considered a consultant? I was like, what is that? He like, I had no clue what a consultant was. And so he kind of like gave me an idea of what it was. And and I pursued the reading. And the rest is kind of like a long story. <laughs> so, yes, based off of the one teacher kind of like put me in line with the opportunity to have many others as well. Yeah, just yeah. one door opening after the other. Mm-hmm. I love to hear about it. Um, you don't want to tell that long story? <laughs> if we have time. <laughs> I mean, we can go to other things too. I've got some other things I definitely want to talk about. Yeah. Um, I, that's cool to hear about the dream, the dream stuff. Um, I find that a lot of the, nowadays a lot of what I'm doing is like, either there's a seed of it in a dream or like it'll be kind of, I'll get a dream message mm-hmm. and then I'll go to cards and then for confirmation. And then I'll kind of journey on that. And that's been become kind of my, my progression. And um, mm-hmm. so that's cool to hear. I want to ask kind of a mundane question. Mm-hmm. So when you were, um, and this is just a personal interest, when you were kind of working at this chemical plant, and you didn't have time to do your passions. What was your and what was your mindset like? Like, how did you how did you situate that within um within your life and within your your quest? Because, and I'm asking this for personal reasons. Like, I kind of find that sometimes I'll have that happen where I have to kind of pay more attention to these like dude i gotta pay my bills and stuff you know mm-hmm. and so i do have to like pay more attention to these worldly affairs and uh maybe i don't have as much time to follow like my passions and sometimes i can get really down about that mm-hmm. so how do you like just out of your personal experience like how do you navigate those times like so that kind of goes uh, with something that happened. Remember that job that I was talking about with the chemical plant? I mean, the um, Katung Nati, uh, the warehouses yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So as a total, I worked there for three years and it came down to like them firing me uh, because they wanted to like get more personal that would work for cheaper. <laughs> right, right, right. So yeah, they that's... were bringing people from, you know, from Belgium to work there. 
which is whatever, you know. Um, so a friend of mine actually got me into this small warehouse to work at a, at a, um, I want to say kind of like a, not really making pesticides, but bottling pesticides and stuff like that in, you know, like hazards. <laughs> yeah. And it didn't pay much, but by then I had already like talked to who is my teacher in Kimanda and we were like friends. Um, I want to say that he had already kind of like done part of the reading and uh, it was marked that I had the roads open for what we consider licensa is the initiation part. Um, but, you know, like I had this condo that I had acquired through magical means uh, in Conjure, you know, like I had an awesome view uh, from the eighth floor through the whole island, you know, like I could see the cruise ships coming in and like people that would come and visit me, they were envious of my place because it was awesome. It was badass. So, um, because I lost that job, you know, like I was, you know, making it, you know, I was still making it, uh, but it was just kind of like paycheck to paycheck. And uh, I had gotten my, who's now my ex, um, a patois, charm, you know, and Kimbanda for bringing money because she she was lacking money and stuff like that. But she never engaged it. And every time that I would walk by the little shrine that I had, it would catch my attention. You know, like my eyes would gravitate towards it. And thought process would come in as like, uh, you should work with it. You should work with it. She's not doing anything with it. You should work with it. So I asked her, I was like, hey, you know, like you're not doing anything with this thing that I got you. Do you mind if I start you working? And she's like, no, go ahead. So I started working it. Um, again, you know, interaction with spirits outside of my ancestors was very little to no experience. Um, I had read the instructions of it and I actually promised something from the get go instead of asking, you know, like, or learning how to work it and nothing really happened. So I just kind of like left it alone. And so what, what the time that I was working in that place, the control solution place, I kept having this question of like, man, there's something I'm doing wrong. You know, like I'm not progressing, you know, like I'm just there. Like I'm meeting what, uh, what I need to do, but I'm not progressing from there. And so I had a friend, you know, a diviner, uh, came to check for me. So I was like, look, this is my situation. And, uh, I want to have an outsider's perspective, you know, on this and see, maybe there's something that I'm not seeing. Maybe I have fucked up somewhere along the way. Can you please let me know? <laughs> Yeah. So she did a divination, and I think she was already in Kimanda, actually. She did a divination, and uh, she said, you have a spiritual depth in here. Is there something that you have promised that you that you haven't come through with? And when she finished saying that, I was, it reminded me of like the promise of a bottle of cachaça to this, to this charm. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I think I, I promised this to a patois for an issue. And then she's like, wait, what? You did what? You need to come through with that. You know, like, it's gonna, it's gonna flow better after that. And I was <laughs> like, okay. And so I needed to look for the river to deliver this, uh, this uh, promise. And I went and got a bottle of cachaça and I showed it to the, to the little shell. And I was like, look, I got it. Now I'm gonna go look for the river. I need you to get me a job that is gonna be paying me over a thousand dollars at least weekly and stuff like that. Um, that is going to be more than enough so that I can save for the things that I want, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
So I have it in my head to go over it on the weekend, which happens to be like 4th of July weekend around that time, to go to this river. I told my ex, I was like, hey, we're going to take a little trip to the Trinidad, Trinidad, Trinidad River um, to go do a thing. She's like, okay. And so that same day, I received a message from uh, one of her friends, actually, that was kind of like inviting us over to their place, which happens to be kind of like on the way to the Trinidad, Trinity River. So um, I accepted to go and visit uh, his place and stuff like that and stay over for 4th of July weekend. And so I was like, well, we're headed that way. So like, I'll take my bottle of cachaça and the charm and just go to Twitter. And I did that, you know, like offer the thing and went and met with the friends and stuff like that. And we had a good time. We had a great time. You know, like I had a bunch of like uh, apple pie moonshine. We celebrated and stuff like that. And then the next day I was just chilling in there, you know, in his back porch, just observing the swamps because it looked pretty badass. And uh, I used to smoke cigarettes back then. So like I was smoking a cigarette. He comes out. He's like, hey, buddy. So, um, what are you doing for work? And I'm like, uh, just working at this place, Control Solution Center. And he's like, would you be interested in to coming to the chemical plants? I'm a, I'm a safety, you know, and I, I can pull you in if you want. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, I mean, like they're kind of like gonna start you in in an entry level though, you know, like. And I was like, well, what's what's the pay for that? And he was like, it's sixteen dollars an hour. And I was like. Yes, I would want that, you know. And um, long story made short, you know, like within the week, I had a job, you know, and I started making all this money and I started saving. And uh, I saved enough to go for my initiation in Kimbanda. So I think that while it makes you feel like, you know, like, like you are not progressing, it makes you want to push further. And, you know, like if you don't see something, maybe it is good to have an outsider's point of view, especially somebody that, that knows, you know, like some sort of divination system so that they can kind of like give you an idea of like, hey, maybe, you know, like you have done this, you know, you have done that because that's pretty much what happened in my story, you know, like. And then after that, things started moving. You know, I was able to save for what I needed. Um, funny enough, you know, like I needed to take a whole week off so that I could come to New York and get my initiation. And everybody at work, they were like, there's no way you're going to have a job whenever you come back. You know, like, because they don't allow that in here, blah, 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 blah. Even if they talk good, they're just not going to allow it. So I went and talked to my ancestors and uh, I was just trusting my spirits. And I went and talked to the main guy, the superintendent, and I told him, you know, like, hey, I need to take some some time off. You know, like, I got to... I got to take a whole week off, actually, a week and some days. I'm going to New York for some spiritual practices and stuff like that. He's like, okay, no problem. And I was like, I just want to make sure that I'm going to have a job when I get back. He's like, you'll have a job. I promise to you. And I was like, okay. So I left. I did my thing. And I came back and everybody was spooked because they were like, you should have been fired. Or so and so, you know, like blah 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 blah. You know, like they're no longer here. You know, like how the hell, what the hell do you do? Blah blah blah. You know, like, and I just wouldn't tell them. <laughs> but it was covering my bases with my ancestors for the most yeah. part <laughs> dude so okay great that's a great answer man um trust your spirits mm-hmm. trust and, their lives um, and you had a, and you had a mission 
you had yes. a like you even though like maybe you felt like you weren't progressing you had like you had your eyes on the prize it's like this yeah. is what i've got to do to get mm-hmm. these things that i want um thank you that's good stuff um oh man it happened again where i had a question <laughs> and i forgot it is it gonna come back no <laughs> you can blame it all on me <laughs> dude i'm gonna start singing that when i lose a thought that's a great that's a great idea i love that song yeah um i just you know i asked that because i'm kind of in that situation right now man like really um mm-hmm. but that it's good to hear that because you know it helps me kind of remember why I even got the thing in the first place. Like, <laughs> like, oh yeah, that I got this job so I could save money to do these things. Yeah. Um, it is totally okay to put things on pause, you know, like, because you have to live, you have, you have to take care of your living space. You have to take care of your bills, you know, like you have to find that balance of spirituality and being a human being, you know, like, or being a husband or being, you know, like a father, you know, I'm not a father by any means. I have no fucking kids, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like I still have to kind of like split myself into what seems few people, you know, like, because, you know, like I deal with tattoos, you know, which is the mundane, you know, like, cause there's a lot of people that I deal with that have no desire for the spiritual practices and they might get spooked with, with the things that I, that I have going on. Uh, and the people that do want to get involved with the spiritual practices and stuff like that. But, you know, like there's this thing that I have to like balance again, you know, like I still have to like pay my bills and do all these other things, you know, like, and I can't really like take away time from one or the other, you know, like I have to continue balance. Yeah. I need to do some of that, some of that money, <laughs> money stuff you're talking about, man. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about um, magical tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe how you got into that. Does that tie in with your interest in the Thai occult? It actually comes back from way before that. Okay. Cool. Um, Funny enough, Mama Star has suggested it. And uh, that was one of the first teachers that suggested looks on, you know, like, since you're already a tourist, you can put magic into someone's skin. You can you can put juju there to protect them or help them, you know, like, uh, acquire a goal, you know, like, uh, or push forward with their spirituality. So maybe you should look into that. And I heard it, but I didn't, it didn't really, like, went through because again you like i had no clue and i didn't know anybody else that would do something like that so i continued studying you know like spiritual practices and stuff like that and then i started like looking into uh, my culture you know and and the tattoos you know and not just that but perfor- perforations you know like such as piercings and stuff like that and it's cool you know like i had some piercings on my own and i only have one now but i had a couple of piercings on my own that i thought were cool and um when I got into Kimanda, uh, my teacher, Jesse Hathaway, um, in one of my visits to him, he was just like, you know, I could see you doing a spiritual tattoos. You should like 
really pursue that, you know, like, so that's the, the second person that has suggested it as well. You know, and I was like, when it was just two people already, you know, I was just like, you know what? That's two people already saying it. So I'll take, I took his advice, you know, into uh, getting to know a little bit more of symbols and stuff like that, you know, like in studying that. And before I got into Kimbanda, I had come across someone that sold amulets, you know, and it wasn't the well-known Taya cult. You know, it was actually someone else that who no longer offers that. But I had seen a prank gang or a series of prank gangs that I was like, what is that? You know, it looks like uh, there was a show, a Japanese show that I used to watch that had like the eyes, kind of like aliens and stuff like that. Yeah. And I was like, it looks like that. Like, like, can't remember the, the character's name. But he was like a superhero. And I was like, it looks like that. And like, but just with red eyes and stuff like that. And it just like made me think of my childhood when I used to like watch this show of uh kind of like a robot being, but it wasn't like a robot, it was like a superhero fighting these monsters in Japan and stuff like that. And I was just like, it just looks so awesome. It reminded oh, me of it, my childhood. Is it um Ultraman or what? Kind of Ultraman. I think I want to say it's Ultraman because he has like a little thing. Yes. And he has yeah, the yeah. eyes, you know, like they're all big, you know, and his, his suit is like gray with red. Yeah. So like I used to watch that as a kid with my grandfather. So the minute that I saw this thing, I was just like, it looks like that. Holy crap. What is the name of it? And I couldn't even remember the name. And um, I messaged the person and I was like, can you please put it aside for me? I don't know what it is, but I, I, I need to have this, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. You just felt the pull. a little bit more. Yeah, and uh, the person didn't really give me that much information other than like, oh, I can help you, you know, like, it's kind of like this thing that it comes from this practice from Thailand and stuff like that. Long story, I made sure that I purchased it. And it was big, that's like a huge thing, you know. So uh, I don't think that there was much information back then, you know, so I remember being in the chemical plant with this big old prank gang on my chest, hanging off of my chest, and uh, one of my coworkers was like, what is that? You know, like you, I see did you have something within your, your shirt? And I was just like, I'm going to share this with you, but this is like a, a magical thing. And he got interested into it, you know? And um, I worked with that zero being for a little bit, you know, like, again, I had no clue what the hell I was doing. And um, when I got everything that I needed to go for my initiation into Kimbanda, I actually sat down with the prayer gang and I was like, look, I'm going to put you away or probably give you away because, you know, like I need to focus on this new practice now that I'm, that I'm undertaking. And uh, I figured that at some point I was going to come back to it, you know, but I needed to focus on to this. And so the one person that had asked me about it, I was just like, hey, will you be interested in having this prayer gang? And he's like, hell yeah, I want that thing. <laughs> So I gifted it to him, and um, I pursued Kimbanda, and uh, I want to say maybe two, three years, no, I want to say three years ago, um, I came across uh, Jenk stuff, and uh, I was looking on the list, and I saw that he had a couple of gangs, and there was one that caught my attention, and I went on ahead and purchased it, and so like I got reintroduced again, you know, into it. Somewhere in the middle of that time that I was not involved with the Thai practices, uh, I got curious about the Sakyans. And, uh, you know, like I had come across a couple of documentaries and uh, seeing the process made me curious about it 
um, seeing some possessions that had happened during a couple of ones, you know, like got me even more interested. Um, and I think that I bought anything that I could, I could get my hands on to try to like understand this. <laughs> the reason I'm smiling, the reason I'm smiling so wide, man, is I'm just going to interject real quick is because this is a, a fundamental difference between someone that's into this stuff and someone that's not where you saw people getting possessed and you were like, I got to know more about that as opposed to like, I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> I love yeah, it. I know. <laughs> I love it. I know. I have a, a different point of view about things. And, that's, uh, that's, that's great. Like man. That <laughs> yeah, me too. Like when I see church services of people like, getting wild like that i'm like oh yeah that's a church i want to go to man i don't want to stand there and just like sing monotone like i want to see where these people are like you know yeah holding it happen. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if anything yeah. my, what one of my thoughts process is like that they have food because i won't want to be munching onto something while watching this thing you know? <laughs> <laughs> well of course that's important too what's the potluck look like <laughs> Yeah, in my but home anyway, country. Go ahead. Huh? Go oh, ahead. Go ahead. There was a, a, my wife, you know, like my partner has heard me talk about this before, but, you know, like, and I know it, it might sound weird to some people out there, but one of the things that I used to do uh, was kind of like go to the funerals around the area that I grew up with, you know, like, um, and they always had food. So, like, my head was like, they have tamales. Let me go eat a tamale. <laughs> And go see the face of the person because everybody looked different, you know, like and the ways of preparing a body over there is a little bit different, you know, because it's like low income, you know. So I like to see the facial expressions of somebody that passed away, especially like uh, the differences, you know, like I had seen people that committed suicide by poisoning themselves, you know, like or somebody that just like died because of a mysterious illness you know, and stuff like that. And their expressions were different. And here I am with like a little sweet bread eating it and seeing I was like, oh, man, this is crazy. And I'm seeing all these other kids with me, you know, because <laughs> they're there doing the same thing with me. And that's kind of like what I link the funerals with so like coming to the united states and not necessarily seeing that it was weird to me (laughs) dude that's a really interesting avenue to go down because i think the relationship with death that we have here is so like restrictive like we separate it off so much that like i think when it does come through it's traumatizing and stuff right like instead of being a normal part of life this yeah. is something that every one of us is going to do. Mm-hmm. Every one of us is going to die. Like we have all that. We all have that in common from the king to the beggar. And I think that like, it's actually really um, harmful uh, on a societal level, not to have. And obviously like in different cultures, it's going to be different even in the United States. Right. But like yeah. the way I brought up, it's like, no, this is a topic that we keep over here. Um, <laughs> and you know, then I died. And like, it came over the wall. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So it's cool to hear about that experience that you had, because I think that's, that's actually like, I'm almost like, yeah, I wish more people had that experience. Like, yeah, I've gone to a couple of funerals over here, but like initially my head goes to like, what do they have for food? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's not because I'm hungry, you know, like, it's just like, 
that's just kind of like what I grew up with. And then the other yeah. thing is just kind of like, this is boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not that, you know, like that is, is, you know, like anything that I'm, you know, get off of, you know, but, right. you know, like, it's just like people are either, in my experience, you know, like there's the person that is crying their eyes out because they lost someone that they loved. And then there's the person that's like talking about how good they were or whatever. And then there's the other ones that are chat talking and stuff like that. And like, there's this mixture of everything that's going on surrounding the person that is there, you know, like we're all there, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And if I was to step outside, um, I witnessed this even in my great grandfather's, uh, death, you know, like there were people just fucking playing poker, you know, and gambling outside, you know, and I was just kind of like, all right, this is kind of like when Jesus died type of deal, you know, like they were, you could see them, you know, like oh, doing yeah. the same thing, you know, like, so to me, that doesn't seem weird coming over here to the United States and like being like, uh, or handling funerals in a, in a different manner, you know, that's weird to me. <laughs> Dude, I'm with you. Huh? Yeah. It's weird to me too. The way we treat it is weird. Um, and I'm from here, like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, yeah, man. Like, I just think, yeah, I, I'm big on having just a healthy relationship with death. Like, I think that, um, fear of death, it makes people easy to control and it makes people, um, we have a lot of problems because of this, because of this fear yeah. of death. And, uh, I was afraid of death too. You know what I mean? Like I, I was so afraid of death that when I became that when I didn't believe in anything, I couldn't even live like that, man. Like I, I had to escape in all these ways. You know what I mean? So that's when yeah. I got into the hard drugs and everything. Um, cause it just didn't, it, it, I was fucked up from that, you know, like this idea that there will be nothing or, or, and maybe who fucking knows, you know what I mean? But like, I'm pretty sure um, there's something going on because I have experience with, with death now and with the dead. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's just, that's a cool story. Uh, I appreciate that. I did want to ask. Um, so you mentioned when you had that prong gong, you said you didn't know how to work with it, but you just, you did anyway. Yeah. What did, that, what did that look like for you? Oh, man. So, like, I didn't know that you could give it offerings. You know, like, I didn't know any of that stuff, you know. Uh, I had made friends with uh, practitioners of, you know, like, follow and stuff like that, you know, or a type of spirituality. And there was this one that apparently had one, Brangang himself, and uh, I showed him mine, and he's like, oh, dude, you should give him a Red Bull. And I was like, a Red Bull? Why? <laughs> and he explained, well, Red Bull is, is made in Thailand. You know, like, so I'm sure that he would like that. You know, and I was just like, oh, crap. You know, and I was like, all right. And, but it still kind of like, then I really like made it through in my head, you know, of like, why? Why the Red Bull and stuff like that? And then he said, you know, like, if you ever need his help, definitely give him a red bull and speak to him you know like you don't have to like go crazy about it just like communicate with him like he's your brother you know or like your friend that is right there next to you um and so i ended up getting a ticket <laughs> and i needed to go to court and uh i was low on money so i remember that and i was just like sitting in the uh in the parking lot for the the court and i was like you know what I'll be right back. So I left and I went and got a Red Bull and I went and parked in there, you know, in my car. 
opened the Red Bull for him. And I was like, all right, Prangang. I don't know. I didn't know Kata or anything there because it didn't even come with one. I was like, I need your help. I legit need to either be let go, you know, or pay something minimal, you know, like, and, and I'm not like get out of trouble, you know, like, but make it the best thing, you know, like with the best scenario possible for me. Here's your Red Bull. And after that, you know, like, well, I'll be very thankful to you for anything because I have no clue what to do. You know? <laughs> and so uh, I left him, you know, in the car with the Red Bull. And like, again, you know, this is just by intuition, you know, like not that anybody told me to do that. Because, you know, like going into court, I don't know if they were going to search me or anything. And so uh, I left him in there, you know, and I went into the courtroom. And um, when I was in front of the judge, he looked at me ups and down, you know, up and down. And he was just like, so, uh, so what happened again? You're like, why, why do you end up getting a, a ticket? And I was just like, well, I was parked in, in, a, in an area that I shouldn't have been parked, I think, if I remember correctly. And uh, I had came over to New York. So, like, I spent some time in New York. And then I went back and, you know, like, I had to go pay the, the thing. And, yeah. And he heard that. And he's just like, what were you doing in New York? And I was like, well, I'm an artist. You know, like, I'm... I was up there for an art show and it wasn't, it wasn't true. You know, like I was there for other, th- other reasons. And he's like, Oh, you're an artist. And he looks at me, he looks at me again. You know, he's like, my daughter is an artist too. Blah, blah, blah. You know, like he starts telling me about how she is, you know, doing a medium and stuff like that. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. You know, like, so I'm just listening. He's like, you know what? He's like, I'll just let you go. And I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> So, you know, like he turned out to be very cool, even though like I had seen his interactions with the previous people and I was just like, oh, no, man, I think he's going to be an asshole to me. But no, he was completely cool with me. And uh, he let me go. I didn't, I didn't ended up, you know, having to pay the ticket. So when I got in the car, I was extremely excited and I was like, thank you. Thank you. Like I was like very vocal about it. Like, thank you so much, Prangang. You know, like, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, it definitely worked in this. You know, when I got home, I actually got him another Red Bull. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Payment up front and uh, after the deed is done. Yeah. And so after that, I was just like, yes, man, this, this thing works. And like, I have no clue how, but it fucking works. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Um, so, so you're that you're getting your first um experience with these Thai amulets. How do we then go to you like making amulets? So, I'm sure uh, it's a long story, but you know, indulge me with, for with, with what you can. We're gonna fast forward. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Fast forward all you need. <laughs> yeah, because that's like years in between. You know, like from when I first interacted with Prangang and then getting into Kimbanda, and now I'm like seven years, you know, in Kimbanda as a whole, and uh, three years practicing, you know, like Thai sorcery, you know, in in many forms, you know, because I have, you know, the one from uh, Apichai. But before that, uh, during the pandemic, I made friends with another Ajarn, you know, uh, and he was from the uh, the Headless Temple Tiger, um, and he is in Bangkok. And so uh, during the pandemic, uh, I was curious and I was looking online and stuff like that on Facebook and I came across Ajarn uh, Wood Kong Wong. And um, 
I saw pictures of the temple and I just messaged him. I was like, hey, man, you know, like, I really like your, your pictures and stuff like that. And, and the amulets that you have, they're pretty awesome and stuff like that. And he started answering back, you know, like, and um, I was curious about the coins that he was offering off Proud Rod, you know, because that was a thing that he was working on at the time. And uh, after talking with him and trying to understand the way that he worked, you know, because I assumed that everybody worked the same, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the case. Come to find out, you know, he doesn't really work for with ghosts or pry. Uh, it was more of the putakun, you know, like type of magic, um, more of the holier side. And so when I would ask questions that had to do with like remains and stuff like that, he would kind of like end the conversation by saying like, I have a headache, I have a headache. I don't think that I want to talk about this, you know, and stuff like that. And I didn't really quite understand that for a while. So I started showing him designs of, you know, things that I had worked on, you know, like that were conjure based, you know, like the idea was to come up with tattoos, tattoo designs or tattoo flash for conjure practitioners with sigil work that I had created. And uh, I showed it to him. He's just like, oh, this is awesome. The rooster, you know, for protection. This is great. You know, like, yeah, this I can see this, how this could work and stuff like that for tattooing. And then I showed him the, uh, the spider, you know, on the back of it. And uh, he was like, yeah, this is great. I also have a spider tattooed on me. You know, this is for business and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's a great, great symbol. And so I was like, hey, man, you know, like, how would you feel about coming out with a project and blending our practices together? You know, like, because the conjure side is very similar to what you practice. You know, like, you obviously don't talk about remains and stuff like that. And that's when he took the opportunity to tell me. He's like, look. The only reason why I don't do that is because uh, me being a priest, uh, I had to obtain certain things. And one of those things is kind of like animated by one one spirit. And because of the process that he had to go, when you start talking about spirits with him, you know, like the one spirit comes to his head and, you know, like it starts messing with them. So it's like, okay, that makes more sense. You know, like, so obviously, you know, like I stopped my talks with, you know, the whole human remains and stuff like that. And um, I uh, I got curious, you know, like on the way that he worked things, you know, in channeling, you know, uh, energies uh, or the elements or planetary forces, you know, into amulets and stuff like that. And um, we came with the plan to create those coins, you know, um, and I pursued the work, you know, like actually worked myself with all the money for it. And uh I was keeping track of the process and stuff like that. And, you know, it was very interesting because uh, he would take it to his temple, you know, uh, to the lineage temple, have a blessed over there and then come back and send me pictures of, you know, like the process and stuff like that. And I was just like very, very, uh, I want to say inspired because of it, you know, like which led me to want to seek further understanding in astrology you know, to a level because conjure doesn't necessarily work with, you know, the stars and stuff like that. It's just kind of like the spirits of the dead, you know, some saints and uh, force around you. <laughs> um, From the pandemic lockdown, you know, like he started getting busy with his business and uh, that kind of like made me wonder, well, you know, like, yeah, the holy magic is, is fine, but my per my desire of what to learn you know like my intrigue i guess was you know the necromancy side 
And I had heard about Ajarna Pichai, you know, during this time. And I was curious about it. I was curious about the way that he he worked and stuff. And I came across one of his amulets, which happens to be the one of Baphomet. And um, I friended him. And uh, it took me a little while to, like, message him because I didn't want it to, like, just go and attack. You know, it'd be like, hey, you know, like, have all these questions and stuff like that. (laughs) But eventually I ended up messaging him and introducing myself, you know, like, in a respectful manner. And with the idea of, like, maybe he's never going to answer, you know, maybe he's never going to see it. I don't know how busy he is and stuff like that. And to my surprise, a couple of days later, I received a message back from him, you know, and in my questions about the Baphomet amulet. And uh, that's pretty much what began our relationship or friendship in us. First as friends, you know, and then as pursuing teachings from him. So that's kind of like what what paved that. (laughs) Cool. I love to hear about it. Um, Talk a little bit about... um, and uh, by the way, people can buy your um, this coin that you talked about, the rooster spider coin, yes. on your mm-hmm. Etsy shop. Manticoresden.com uh, is my website. And uh, I also have uh, Manticoresden Conjure on Etsy. Cool. And you sell oils and amulets? and Yes. I sell uh, oils and amulets that I have made based on just conjure practices. And then there is the blends that Pajarn and I make. Or things that I have blended based on the teachings that I have gathered from Ajarna Pichai and Wukong Mong along the way. So one of the things that you have on there um, is Magos Key. Yeah. Which, okay, I do want to talk about goblins some, man, because I know that we've been talking a little bit about goblins. And uh, mm-hmm. I'd mentioned to you that, like, I've just always been interested in goblins, man. I just, ever since I was a kid, I was just fascinated by them. And it's interesting, too, to think about when I was talking about like, I was kind of afraid as a kid of being taken in the night or like being abducted by aliens. It's like this very goblin sort of feeling to it. There's like a fairy thing going on there. Right. Cause like Mm -hmm. those worlds are kind of adjacent, right? Like they both kind of take you away and change you and bring you back. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's try to maybe start at the beginning of what, what got you into working with this particular um, current or uh, goblins in, in particular? Sure. Um, well, before I was introduced to it, you know, like, again, with the wolf and goat, um, I grew up in El Salvador. And uh, there's a lot of, like, mythology. You know, there's a lot of, like, uh, what we call legendas. Um, stories that are kind of like cultural. So the being that I mentioned earlier, Siwanava, Siwewet, you know, she's actually uh, uh, Siwewet means a beautiful woman. And it's the story of a woman that was cursed by the god Tlaloc because she ended up killing Tlaloc's son. And because uh, she wanted all the richness for herself, you know, she was legit the most beautiful woman known you know in in the culture and because of this beauty and her using it in a bad way to gain benefit off of it uh and going out with someone else you know she ended up getting pregnant while she had a sorcerer kill uh the son of Tlaloc 
Tlaloc finds out Tlaloc is the, the thunder god, um, rain god, and uh, he finds out, so he curses Siwewe to become Siwanaba, which mean, means a hag woman. And uh, the curse was basically that she would be seen beautiful from far away and lure men. But once once men got close enough, you know, like she would turn into a hag and take you to the underworld. Whether it is by a river, because she lives by a river, you know, or just like at the edges of the woods. Um, the kid that she was pregnant with got also cursed. And that became known as Sipitillo. And Cipitillo, the description of Cipitillo is like that of a, a young little kid uh, with a big old hat. Big, big, big hat. He's very skinny and big old belly and long nose. And uh, his feet are backwards. So that's a goblin already. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and I also similar to like an, an alien description too, right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. So I grew up with the stories of goblins and stuff like that in a way, you know, by, by mythology. No, knowing that that was a goblin already on its own and uh, learning remedial ways to get rid of it, you know, like even though I'm not a woman, you know, like, <laughs> but the thing is with the Cipitillo is that he lives by the river and he is fascinated with beautiful women. So, like, there's stories of women that will go to the river to wash their clothing and then they'll feel like a little pebble being thrown at them and, you know, like sounds. Of someone following her and stuff like that and basically this becomes like a parasitic type of like entity that is like around this person and in order to get rid of it you know you have to do things that are nasty so that the goblin or you know creature would go away on its own because now it, it would be like oh you're so disgusting you know <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of like in my head as growing up and um now, fast forwarding to the wolf and goat, you know, like wolf and goat was a new thing, you know, like I had come across the website and the store by accident around the time that my grandfather had passed away in a tragic manner. Uh, and with my little understanding of, you know, like uh, death and the way that my grandfather had died kind of like made me curious to think maybe, you know, like my grandfather's soul might have been stuck in the area where he died. because. He got run over, you know, um, he didn't, whenever they did uh, his uh, autopsy, you know, they they said that there was no signs of pressure of this boss running him over, you know, like that he was just dead in contact. So because of that, you know, I pursued a product, you know, but I didn't know what, you know, in Wolf and Goat. And they offered, um, they offer a way of elevating the soul. Um, and based off of that, I actually purchased a couple of things. But during the time, I saw that they were also releasing these uh, goblins, you know, that they had. Uh, because one of the store members was making them, you know, stuff like that. And one of them caught my attention, like, right away, which is the one that you have seen. Yeah. Um, there was no information about goblins. And, of course, that just became an obsession kind of, you know, like overnight, you know, because I was just like, I want to know more about it, you know. And um, I ended up purchasing the one. And um, I didn't get them until, like, I came up to New York because, like, I was obviously busy. And so, obviously, they were busy as well with many things. Um, with that, before I got to New York for my initiation, uh, those dreams that I had mentioned 
you know, that I had related to my, my teacher, uh, there was one of them that had seen this being, you know, which was really weird. It, lo- it looked like a chimera, you know, because it was like a mixture of uh, what I would describe as an armadillo and raccoon. But it had three legs on each side, you know, and it came from out of these bushes. And I saw it and I was like, oh, you're here. Like, I knew it, you know, in my dream. Oh, you're here. How about you get close to me so that I can have you next to me? And this thing comes out of the, the bushes, you know, like and crawls like right next to me and it coils up like a cat. So now looking back, I think that that was the goblin that uh, the introduction of a spirit goblin coming to me because, you know, like part of it is that I have it in my bloodline, you know, like through culture, uh, not knowing that the mythological creature that I had learned about was actually a goblin, the deformities that it shows and stuff like that. Uh, the physical vessel of the goblin that I have, you know, like it's one thing, but during journeys, I have seen many, many things that are completely like mixtures of other things. But the eyes is the thing that is very prominent. It's very alien like, which is why Magos, uh, the Magos painting kind of like became like that, you know, like uh, I had created that after a mushroom trip with the assistance of that goblin and making a couple of oils from that trip as well. So, yeah, that's kind of like what kicked it off for me, you know, like, and, you know, put me back into uh, an alignment of like want to know more on the goblins on, you know, like magical practices that are European and the uh, magical practices of Central America and looking back in my roots. Okay, so that's interesting. What were some of the similarities between the European traditions and the Central American traditions in terms of goblins? Like, did you find some crossover there or things that were interestingly similar? Some things are similar for sure. You know, like, um, in, from my, uh, cultural background, you know, like I can see them, you know, like for the most part being in in the woods, you know, like in, in my home country is believed that they're in the woods, that they're the guardians of nature and stuff like that. Uh, but there's also the belief that some of them live within your house as well, you know, or the land that you have erected a house, you know, and stuff like that, because it is an ancestor of the land in its own way. Um, with the European side, you know, like the hobgoblins that live within the houses and stuff like that, you know, like, or beings that you can come across in caves, um, remote areas that are hard to, to live in, you know, like, uh, Feeling that weirdness of like something is watching you, something is definitely there, you know, like uh, or being out in uh, the fog of like the mist in the mornings, you know, like where you can't see clearly what's going on, but you can kind of see something moving and you don't know what it is. Could it be a cat? Could it be something else? Yeah. So that's kind of like the crosses over that I've seen, you know, like in between the two practices. Yeah, there's something. Um... There's something that's really fascinating to me about that because, um, so the Appalachian Mountains, mm-hmm. back when it was Pangea, when like, when when Europe and the North America were like kind of smashed together, mm-hmm. the Appalachian Mountains were actually connected to, um, I think it's it's a mountain range that's like some, some of it is in Scotland. And some of it is in um, maybe like Eastern Europe, like Russia area, but that all used to be kind of one. And then, you know, as the continents kind of spread out, they drifted apart. But it's really interesting because in the Appalachians, 
it's like goblin country or troll country or something like they're mm-hmm. and it's interesting because it's like well i've never been to europe but i can tell that whatever it is they're talking about it's very mm-hmm. similar to what is going on here and the, the imagery you even have it right like in mm-hmm. some of the folklore and in some of the knickknacks like there are i think up your way they have puck wedgies mm-hmm. yeah which is kind of a similar thing it's like this little pot belly trickster that like kind of calls you and tricks you to jump off a cliff or something right yep and um i just love seeing those kind of and then so and then so in thailand you have um prangang which you kind of have mentioned to me it's sort of like a goblin too mm-hmm. it's like a thai yeah. goblin it's definitely like a sort of thai goblin you know like because in a way it is fiery uh if we look back into the history of witchcraft and stuff like that, you know, like uh, what would be considered a little devil could be a goblin, you know. Um, right, an imp is very goblinish. Yes, exactly. So it is not hard to see Prangang, this being with these red eyes that looks like a dark mist, who likes to smoke and loves sex and loves desire and all of this stuff. Sounds very devilish already. Yeah. Uh, and him being, you know, a certain, like, you know, and stuff like that. And the possibility to lure you whichever way your heart wants to go, you know, like, so if you want to go do things, yeah, yes, I'll support you, do whatever, just do it, you know, or if you want to do bad things, you know, like, et cetera, you know, like it will take you that way or good things, whatever, back and forth. Um, so I think that, uh, Based off of that and the, the interactions that I have with uh, Apichai and the way that, that we have spoken about him, you know, like it was kind of like easy for me to narrow it down to like, this is kind of like a goblin, you know, like this, even though like the, the stories out there, you know, like there's many versions of like how Prangang became a thing, but nobody really can put a finger on how it really became a thing, you know? Yeah, from what I've read, it's very mysterious. There's just kind of like mm-hmm. that air of mystery is almost like it's part of the deal, right? Like. The mystery is the point. Yes. And there yeah. are certain spirits like that. Exactly. You know, like, you just reminded me of something. So, um, remember how I was telling about the goblin and had gotten initiated in, in Kimbanda and I was still living in, in Galveston and stuff like that. So I took my original goblin, the first one and only that I have, um, back home. And uh, again, you know, like I had little to no information on how to deal with this thing. Like, and I was just only advised to like, just sit down in there, talk to him, sit down, sit down and quiet your head. So uh, I would experiment with that. And then I took a trip for a month, you know, to come to New York again, uh, Connecticut, New York, you know, stay and visit my, my Tata and try to learn through him and stuff like that. When I went back, um actually midway on that trip my ex came up as well you know so she took two weeks to come up and so my house or my my condo was alone you know for the for that time period well we went both back to my my place um and had all the luggage just to clear that i opened the door to my condo and as soon as I walk in, I see this shadow mist, which I thought was a cat, you know, like a black cat, jump from the counter, not like a jump, but it was like a glide. 
and it knocked some of the the plates that were sitting on the on the dish rack. And I thought it was the black cat that we had. <laughs> and I was like, God dang it, Nooks, you know, because that was their name. <laughs> and uh, where this thing supposedly landed, I heard nothing, no thumb. And then I looked over to my to the direction of my 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 bedroom, and I see the cat just laying in there, and I was like. I had the the hairs on the back of my neck go, and I was like, yeah. "Holy fuck, that was the goblin!" And then my my ex was like, "Where the fuck did Nooks go?" And I was like, "You seen that too?" And then she's like, "Holy shit, she's laying over there!" And then she's like, "What the fuck was that?" And I was like, "That was the goblin!" And obviously, it was fucking hungry, looking for something in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they love so, to eat, man. Me and my ex. Because my ex wasn't really that involved, was able to see that, you know, like that's two witnesses right there who, yeah. who was who saw the physical manifestation as a dark mist. Funny enough, during the day, it wasn't even at night. During the day, we seen that, um, and ever since then, you know, like uh, I've seen my goblin, you know, like in every place that I go, you know, like of course he's always have his own space, but my current cat plays with them you know like he has followed him you know like uh or the goblin just comes out and he glides in between the rooms you know like and my cat could be just laying down or over on the other side of the fucking room and i see this other thing you know like that it's just like creeping from one side to the other you know like and coming to see what the hell i'm doing yes <laughs> hell yeah i think yeah. man i think that a lot of the time that this is what hauntings are like land spirits house spirits you're talking about the hobgoblins you know that live in the houses and i just think that um you know you call them a ghost or so oh i have a poltergeist or a ghost but like yeah. a lot of that activity kind of sounds like um mischievous tricksters land spirits you know like um yeah. it just has me wondering you know if if more people kind of gave offerings to these beings and and kind of cuz i okay so I've told the story a bunch, so I'm not going to go into it, but, um, my, like coming back to, um, a spiritual view of life, mm-hmm. you know, um, it really was kickstarted by living in a haunted house. Mm-hmm. This was definitely like a ghost. I don't think, I mean, I don't know. There might be some, I think a lot of the time there's, um, kind of a, a lot going on in these situations right because there was like residual energy from a suicide in this place mm-hmm. and then there was like definitely something that was feeding on that residual energy of that darkness you know and then like we weren't in a good place like me and my ex like that were living there were not in a good place so like that was feeding into it so yeah, there's like it, yeah. stacked stuff right but um that experience dude i couldn't deny it so it was like those things where like you're talking about where like i saw it and my wife at the time saw it mm-hmm. like, and we both were like, whoa, or like, yeah. you know, things would happen or sounds would happen and we would have these crazy dreams. And it's like, that um, was a scary thing to go through, but it actually brought me back to believing that there was something else going on. You know what I mean? Like, and it kind of opened that door for me. So now I can like, look at that thing and be like, thanks dude. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so I wonder like, you know, anyone that's listening that has, you know, weird things going on in their house, maybe you should just try to like hang out with it. 
Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it depends, I think. Um, totally. I wouldn't necessarily want to hang out with the thing that was in my house. <laughs> yeah, was, well, yeah. There is a, a being that lives in my house, uh, and it's actually somebody that is still here. But like, at first, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't gonna touch too much on it, you know, because at first I didn't know what it was, and I was just like, well, if you start giving it attention, it's gonna, it's gonna be here all the time, wanting to get your attention all the time, and then. Uh, Come to find out, you know, I learned who it was, you know, and, and then I was just like, oh, well, you know, like, I don't feel as, as bad anymore, you know, trying to yeah. say something to her, you know, like, or at least giving her, you know, a candle or water every once in a while, or at least acknowledging that she's here. But uh, the times that I'll be doing, like, either divination and stuff like that, and she has come into the, my office, I'm like, hey, Baphomet, I don't need that. You know, I don't need that right now. Can you, like, Send her out, you know, like send her somewhere else, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely, uh, yeah, there's, yes. Let me also um, qualify what I've just said by saying that there definitely needs to be some sort of, um, there's a hierarchy, there's an order. Like these things should not be pushing us around. Yeah. So if, and also, like, I think that whatever was going on at the house that I lived in that I was talking about, it was like draining our energy. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, I lived in a place like that too, as well, uh, here in Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. What was that like? It was weird because there's a lot of maintenance, um, a lot of cleaning, and uh, a lot of dreams. Um, but also, you know, like I think that it would inspire a type of like tension, you know, even though everything was already taken care of, you know, like. The house was already so old, you know, like, and the landlord really wasn't taking care of it. So, like, he had a lot to do with that. Um, and during one of the trips with the goblin, uh, one of the beings that I came in contact with was like, so there is issues with your land. Like, you have to give these offerings, you know, like, and I was shown what to do, which I ended up doing it. But um, the other neighbors that lived above me, you know, like, their kids were... Uh, they're being little assholes, you know. <laughs> they were they would go out into the patio and literally peel the bark of trees, you know, like and just that yeah. was like their playtime. And I was just like, yo, that's fucked up. Actually, my partner, my current partner, went over there and was like, Hey, that's so messed up. You shouldn't be doing that. Would you like to be like skin? You know, <laughs> the yeah, right. Like, the, the tree feels, you know, like and the kid couldn't wrap his head around this. Well, I think that's why there's so much of that. Like, I think that the reason why a lot of this land is so haunted, and obviously there's a lot of reasons because a lot of the land is stolen, et cetera, right? But like, um, is that we're not in relationship with these spirits. Like, we like our society, uh, by and large, in the mainstream, does not accept that idea. So, like, those kids, for them to hear that like this tree is alive and can feel, was like crazy to them, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just seeing it a different way opens up these other avenues, these other possibilities. Like it's changed my life personally. You know what I mean? Like the idea of like treating the land, like a being treating rivers, like a being treating trees, like a being treating things with respect, because that's just not how I grew up. I grew up that humans have supremacy over everything. And we're here to dominate everything. Like, that's what my Christianity taught me. You know what I mean? Like, 
Um, now I know people interpret the Bible that way. I don't even necessarily think that that's what it's saying, but that book's also <laughs> been so edited over thousands yep. of years that who knows what the original intention was. Um, and so, you know, we live on this haunted country, right? And, um, we wonder why, uh, <laughs> you know, even as we do things like tear down trees and, and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, nobody would like to have their home come and tore down and then built something new completely all over it. You know, like, right. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. And there's so much of that going on. Um, like here, dude, when I, so I grew up around here where I'm staying right now and, um, just North of Atlanta. And when I was in high school or whatever, you know, like, dude, it was just so much of it was just forest, just trees, trees, trees. And even it still is, I mean, compared to a lot of places, there's still more trees here than other places. Right. But like, they're just, it's just it's all being in the process of being torn down and turned into like, not even like subdivisions anymore. It's like these ugly apartment buildings and stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just like, it's, I guess it, this is where we are in, in the timeline, right? Like this is what's going on now, but I try to kind of like go into vision and see the land below all that. Because there's almost sort of like this, um, we put this overlay on things where like, it's hard not to see like the fucking Wendy's and the parking lot, but beneath that, there's the land, right? Like, Mm -hmm. but it's almost like this kind of, I describe it as it's kind of like the matrix where like, there's this, there's something over my eyes that's not letting me see what's really below. And all that stuff is still there. Mm -hmm. But I just kind of have to um, pull back and, and, and remember it yeah yeah um i uh i lived in deer park texas for a little bit and uh part of the areas of deer park was like woods and you know it had like little lakes here and there and stuff like that and i remember seeing it being torn down and then seeing just like a whole warehouse being built on top of that and i was just gonna like what you know like it's it was uh mind-blowing to me because yeah when I used to drive down down that those roads, you know, by the woods, you know, like it was easy for me to see a coyote, you know, just come out and just chill out there by the side of the road, just you know, like just looking out and stuff like that. And now that's gone, you know, yeah. all of that wildlife is gone because you know, like for the benefit of whatever the hell warehouse and companies now in right. there. <laughs> yeah, I the 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 woods that I used to play in as a kid were torn down, and they built the target there. And that target is now closed. Like it's not even fucking doing anything. It's just a mm-hmm. building. Yeah. And it's like, damn, man. Like I had fantasy adventures in that place. Like that was my like fucking that was like my goblin world. You know what I mean? Like that was that. Like we went out there and we pretended that we were you know, we had our make believe there. Mm-hmm. And so that is fairy. Like that, right? Like and uh, it's just one day it'll be forced again, and I'm cool with that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I think. Oh yeah, or maybe it'll be something else. You know what I mean? I, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Could be ocean for all I know. True. Yeah. This place used to be um, 
so where I'm at, uh, there's a thing called the fall line, mm-hmm. and it's like middle Georgia. And so, like, Florida, you know, used to be like a coral reef or whatever. Mm. Or it is still, right? Like, you know, the, the under the rock and dirt and everything, there's, like, shells. Um, but through Georgia, it goes right through the middle of Georgia is the fall line, and that's, like, an ancient coast. Yeah. So it's cool to think about um, all the things this place has been before. And that's kind of what I think about to make me feel better about what's going on. It's like, well, this stuff has been around for a lot longer than Target. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it will be here after us. Um mm-hmm. anything else that you want to mention? Um Um well for right now, um I have a couple of projects that Ajarn and I are kind of like putting together right? and it's still in the works and stuff like that. But whenever it is released, of course, you know, I'm gonna write about it, you know, and then probably, you know, we could come up on the show and talk about them, you know. Hell yeah. Um, I'm still trying to practice, I mean, blend conjure, you know, with some of his stuff. So uh, some of the stuff that I have posted in my Manticore's then uh, site or Instagram, you know, like I kind of like works on the pro- on the progress, you know, like I still um, so kind of like excited to come up with like the end product, you know, so that I can actually talk about it and showcase it. Yeah. But uh, other than that, you know, like I do offer ceremonial tattooing, you know, um, and I kind of do it after hours uh, from regular tattooing just because um, it is better. You know, it's more personal, uh, more, you know, one on one because uh, there is a certain process that has to undergo um, a type of cleansing uh, offerings and prayers that are said. Um and of course, you know, like some incense and a lot of people are they're like, oh, we don't want the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> like, which is just a shame, man. Which is a shame, yeah. man. <laughs> or is what's that... going on over there? They have a candle going on. Why is that guy like murmuring some stuff? And <laughs> even though I'm not being loud or anything like that, you know, like, but it is just a thing that some some people don't really like to see, I guess. You know? Yeah. But that is definitely available for whoever wants to uh, get a ceremonial tattoo. And they can contact you through your website for that? Yes, yes. Uh, whether it is uh, the uh, Montecourse then Instagram or uh, you know uh, messaging me through Etsy, whichever one is convenient. Um, I kind of like go with uh, a short interview process. Progress. I mean process. Kind of like have an idea of like where you are with your practice. What is it that you're trying to gain out of it? You know, like uh, if that's the case, or if you're just wanting to honor you know like either a deity your ancestors your practices etc etc you know i'll try like accommodate to the best of my abilities you know like i'm not a no by any means no you know like uh what it tells into other practices but you know like i try to like at least access things through the ancestors you know through the dead hell yeah so yeah <laughs> cool man well thank you so much for coming on and talking to me dude i had a great time talking to you awesome i had a great time as well yeah thank you for all those great stories man i sometimes it's actually hard to get people to share stories and i'm just really glad that you you were able to just fire those off dude because that's what this was <laughs> about man this is about people telling their stories and um just letting them know we're out here man 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, experience, you know, like actual experiences, personal experiences, I think are, are very important, as you mentioned, too. You know, like I, that's where my belief is, you know, like you can listen to someone's story, but ultimately you have to, you know, like kind of like go and try things out and see what works for you. You know, like there is uh, models of like beginning things, you know, like, but ultimately I cannot uh, say this is what's going to work for you. Or, you know, like, this right. is what, what is the thing, you know, like, no, you know, you just kind of like have to try it out yourself, you know? Yeah. And I can read a lot in a book and like, I've definitely had, you know, crazy experiences with things I've read in books, but mm -hmm. I find that more often than not, um, the book can kind of point me in the direction, but it's my experience mm -hmm. that, um, that's really where that gnosis comes through is, um, you know, someone telling me something is one thing, but like you said, um, I have to experience it. And like, dude, I'm so hard-headed that like, it's probably going to have to be that way anyway. Like, <laughs> like someone will tell me something over and over and over again. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And then it happens to me and I'm like, oh, all those people were right, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's happened to me. I mean, like, by no means, you know, like, it was just like, again, you know, some things I had to kind of like experience, you know, the hell goblin thing that was I just kept trying and trying and trying. You know, at first I was I feeling like I was going nowhere, you know, until I started actually paying attention to the things that were happening around, you know. So, yeah, persistence for sure, you know, persistence and uh, experience definitely going to be good teachers. Yeah, and paying attention, using that awareness. Um, mm -hmm. Hell yeah, man! Well, dude, thank you so much for going for coming on here, and um, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, man. Um, thank you so we'll much, you, you as well. Awesome. Do you experience weird shit? Do your parents not like to tell their friends about what you do in the woods? Do you make more friends in a graveyard than you do at a party populated by living humans? Do you have interactions with beings that are not strictly considered human? Do other people look at you like you're crazy when you mention talking to trees in casual conversation? If you fist pumped or even just answered yes to any of these questions, you may be a nightbird. So let's sing together. If you'd like to come on the show and flap your gums with me, share your stories, or just talk about the malleable nature of reality for a while, then send me an email at tim at nightbirdpodcast.com. That's tim at nightbirdpodcast.com. I'd love to have you on the show. But until then, I gotta fly. But before I go, let me say this. Remember, you are never alone. I believe you.